the recap, part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we recap the previous week's sermon. This week is Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, which Dave preached. Dave, two weeks back in the pulpit, are you feeling it? Yeah, I'm feeling it. Does it get kind of hot in there when you're up there at the front? Like, do you get sweaty when you're preaching or is it pretty? <laughs> get sweaty. Or are you like, it's like not a big deal. I uh, I try to wear, you know, deodorant. Okay. Oh, okay, I see. But that doesn't do anything about sweat necessarily, right? I don't think I get very sweaty up there. Okay. I don't think you do either. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe if, maybe if Steve hasn't properly adjusted the temperature. There have yeah, been a couple times where it's a little hot. Yeah, yeah. But Blaming Steve. What do you think of our new podium as pulpit? Um, The first week, I felt like me and the pulpit had a little rodeo up there when blows where it wants to yeah it was lighter and uh it was moving around on me a lot and i don't mm-hmm. think i don't think many people noticed it but it was it was it was fun okay. and then That's nick been since then nick made some adjustments to it for me and it was a lot better this week so it's good. good i like it i like the i like the look of it i think it looks great it's nice and big it is big like it the is actual, big up top. like it is lots of space up yep there like that. But Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, walk us uh, through what we, where we're at in Ephesians and this sermon was about. Yeah. So it's uh, Paul, after he's unpacked for the Ephesians, who they are in Christ from eternity past, really into eternity future. He then basically tells them what he prays, what he's praying for them, what he hopes they grow into. Um, so I just I just talked about why he prays. So he prays because he believes their eyes have been open. They're a believing church who have shown that with uh, their faith in the Lord Jesus, salvation and submission to Jesus, and their love for the saints. That's the the marks of a true believing church whose eyes have been opened. Um, talked about how he prays with thankfulness. And expansiveness. He's thankful for what he's seeing God do in creating this church, saving them, making them obedient, helping them love each other. And he pray, he wants more, right? He believes God cares about his glory. And so he prays to the God who's given them all those things, thanks God for it and says, Lord, please give them more revelation and insight, more ability to see further. So, you know, I talked about how my analogy there was how, you know, little newborns can only see 18 inches and in black and white and how that's amazing because they're alive. They've been born into the family. They're alive. But as they grow up, we hope we see, they'll see in more color and more context so they can walk with more wisdom. Um, and so that's what Paul wants. Yeah. That's what Paul wants for this church. And then the three things he asks for is he asks that they would know the hope of their calling. So we went around the New Testament and just said, what is that that they're called to? Fellowship with Christ eternal kingdom and glory, uh, chosen race, royal priesthood, a kingdom for his own possession, called into marvelous light out of darkness, called from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we looked at having hope in that calling. How does hope in that calling make you wise? Then we said um, his glorious inheritance in the saints. So we are the inheritance of God as his people. And how does knowing that make us wise? And then talked about uh, his power towards us, which then I think Paul unpacks in verses 19 to 23. 
and how does knowing his power towards us make us wise in this world? So, yeah, that's where we went. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing stuff. And then I, th- I, th- I think that Paul is really going to unpack hope, inheritance, and uh, power going forward too. Yeah. So I've got uh, one question, but I'm going to defer my question for myself. Thanks, Daniel. And ask Nick and Stacy if they have any observations, questions about the text or the sermon. We're just looking at each other right now. I don't think I have any questions, but it's just cool to move <coughs> on. Um, I really like meditating on verse 17 or make it a prayer for people mm-hmm. um, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of my prayers for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thinking about verse 19, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that we all have the spirit, but just this is an amazing power <laughs> that mm-hmm. he has mm-hmm. given us. Um, so I don't know if I really have like a question, but it's just good to think on and like hear from in the pulpit. And, yeah. 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 It's encouraging. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is. What and, think, and, and to pray that way, you know, to pray, right you know, to, to, to somehow in our hearts have both like this really deep thankfulness for all that God's done and con- like a, a contentedness, like I'm so happy and content in Christ, but then also I want more. Right. Like, you know, I always want more to yeah. have the kind of those things living in your heart all the time is a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything come to mind, Nick? I just echo what you guys said. Uh, you know, it hit me again, just the picture of our hearts having eyes, you know, the heart, mm-hmm. the eyes of your hearts to mm-hmm. be enlightened, mm-hmm. which <laughs> I hope people can hear that. <laughs> Even though you're singing off the, off the microphone. You should boost that part in the volume, Ethan. Yeah, I mean, just so which, just so we can see spiritual, the spiritual realities of Christ's mm-hmm. beauty. Mm-hmm. It's encouraging, like you said. Mm-hmm. Verse twenty-three. Put all things. Well, twenty-two. He put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, mm-hmm. which. Um, is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You mentioned it briefly. Uh, like you gave it a sentence, perhaps, but yeah, unpack that a bit more. It's interesting because some people want to really, um, yeah, they want to get really particular about feet body, even dividing those up a little bit. I don't, I don't think that that you should do that. I think his being head is a picture of his being in control, ruling over. It's a expression of his authority. It's just expressed his authority over all things, but now it's expressing his particular authority over his people, the church. Um, The reason I don't think we should divide uh, feet and body is that uh, I think that you know, like Romans 15 is, yeah, Romans 15 says the, uh, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under 16. your, 
Yeah, 16. Yeah. We'll soon trust Satan under your feet. Yep, yep. Um, so I think that we are the feet. <laughs> what is our, it? His feet are our feet. Yeah. We're his body. Um, what does it mean that he or the, well, yeah. the church, as it were, which is his body, at least the way the ESV yep. takes it, you know, explanatory um, ascendaton yep. is the technical thing. Yep. Which is his body explanation, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What does that mean? That last little phrase. Yeah, I think it <coughs> means um, what I tried to say on Sunday. You're right. It was brief, but was that his uh, him filling all in all, I think it means something like his all things are ruled by his presence and power in such a way that all his purposes come to pass. Mm. Um, it's an expression of his rule and his reign and that his amazingly, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around, but amazingly the way he's going to do that in this age and in the age to come is through the church. Yeah. So, and I talked about, you know, there's a day coming when he's going to come and wipe away every tear and, and put all evil to rest and that's all going to be gone. But right now I think it probably looks more like um, filling up what is lacking in the affliction yeah, of Christ. Yeah, that's the other text that I'm wondering yeah, if there's a you know, parallel here. Taking, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a large way, the idea of Genesis 1 we talked about where we're image bearers. And then as we are redeemed to more faithfully bear that image and bear that gospel that has saved and redeemed us, I think that's how it's happening. Through self-giving, loving proclamation of the gospel in word and deed that uh, is the embodiment of Christ's, uh, embodiment of Christ yeah. on earth through the church. Yeah. In our neighborhoods and in the nations and wherever we are. Yeah. So a couple parallel texts in Ephesians, Ephesians 3.19, I'll get there eventually, yep. uh, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge yep. that you may be filled yep. with all the fullness of God. So I think about like Philippians 2, uh, Christ, you know, in him the fullness of deity bodily dwells. Mm -hmm. And also Ephesians 4.10, very, very interesting use of Paul in uh, of a, a psalm. Mm -hmm. uh, which I get to preach on here in uh -huh. a few weeks. Uh, it's referring to Christ. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So there's yep. something about rule and reign That's in right. his filling mm -hmm. that I think then we have to wrestle with. What does it mean the church fills all things? Because some mm -hmm. people you know, have a kind of viewpoint about the church's influence on culture that looks very... Um, shall we say, transformative of culture mm -hmm. in, a, in a particular direction and in a particular way mm -hmm. that would lead us to say like, you know, the culture will look more and more like the church. Mm -hmm. It'll certainly happen. Look at this text. Look at other texts. I'm not so sure that's what Paul is getting at is that like somehow the culture begins to look like the church so much as the culture comes inside the walls of the church. Yeah. That there's a, a measure of like yeah. the expansiveness of, and the, even like a, a second Corinthians, you know, I'm the sweet aroma of Christ yep. to some, but to others. Life to life, death to death. Yeah. Yep. Death, death, yep. Uh, yep. according to God's uh, varied grace. So maybe a way to say it would be that maybe my take would be not that the culture 
at large becomes more like the church, but that the church at large becomes more like Christ. Yeah. And is re- yep. representative of him wherever they are. That's good. Anything else about the Ephesians 1, Gal? Just, uh, I just ask out of curiosity for any that want to chime in. Do you all take um, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints as we are his inheritance? That's like the one big interpretive, you know, question all the commentators hang out on. Um, I take it, I'll take it that way. I'll just say one thing I didn't say in the sermon I just didn't have time for. I take it that way um, because of some of the parallel passages, like First Peter 2.9, uh, we are a yeah. people of his own possession. But I also take that way because he, I, I said this in the sermon, uh, he, when he refers to Jesus, he uses different titles throughout Ephesians. And I think he does it on purpose. And here he says, Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 20, he says Christ. And I think when he uses Christ, I think he's, he's using it as he is the fulfiller of all the promises. He's the Messiah, yeah. the Christ, the anointed one. And so I think that in light of that as well as some of the parallel texts, it's saying, hey, this is how I talked about my people in the Old Testament I just told you now that you're in Christ, who's the perfect son, the perfect Israel, the perfect all that, the f- and he's the fulfiller of all things. He's the Christ, so you're mine, and I'm going to have you forever. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But I'd be, I'd be, open, to, <coughs> I'd be open to disagreement. I just was curious because, you know, commentators go both ways. And- no, I like that. I think it is. In, so it's, it's one thing to say we have an inheritance in him or an inheritance almost like a resurrection body, First Peter 1, mm-hmm. other things like, they're all downstream from what Christ purchased. It's another thing to say he has an inheritance. Yeah. That that's so, just the prophetic. That's just what the prophets say mm-hmm. about Yahweh and Israel. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a very much God has something that he receives mm-hmm. from his people, Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And the church is the extension, continuation, whatever you might want to say of that. Mm-hmm. So if the saints are the inheritance of God, right? Which is mm-hmm. what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like he, that's his inheritance, mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So then what does it mean that Paul prays that we might know that? Because he says that you may know, and then he lists the hope that you've been called. Yeah, what did I say in the What are the riches sermon? of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I just mean... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm kidding. Like if you yeah. take it like yeah. it's our inheritance, then it makes... It, it's easier on the surface level, I guess, to understand that he would understand that we would know what our inheritance is. Sure. But if it's, he's praying that we would know the inheritance of God. I don't think he's praying that we would know the inheritance of God as much as he's praying that you would know more and more that you are God's inheritance. That that's how God thinks of you and how for you mm-hmm. he is. And that's what he's purchased. Sure. Yeah. Listen to the last eight verses of Micah. <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord. Here it is. (laughs) Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest in the midst of the garden. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They'll lick the dust like a serpent. Like the crawling things of the earth, they shall come trembling out of their strongholds and they'll turn in dread to the Lord our God. 
they will be in fear of you. Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of your inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as he swore to our fathers in the days of old. So there's a lot that God has invested in his people mm-hmm. such that he cannot renege on his word. Yeah. And we as co-heirs with Abraham by faith mm-hmm. receive that too. That's yeah. that's chapter two yep. uh, verses 11 and following. Yep. Like what it yep. means that you become partakers of the commonwealth of Israel. Like, right. whoa, like you're a Gentile. Right. You're a partaker of the commonwealth of Israel. Like, right. That's a, that's a little radical, Paul. Right. What do you mean, Paul? We'll get there. Good. Thanks for a great <laughs> recap, guys. Looking forward to more of Ephesians. Yeah.